Blonde Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies and what they mean to us. I'm your host, Kristen Lighty, and tonight we have with us Iowa's own Chris Schlichtling. Hey, Chris, how are you? Hello, I am excited to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and you know, I want to just say, you know, we're a little late on schedule, and I know no one really cares, but I'm sorry. We had some audio issues on my part, and um, originally, Chris and I were going to chat about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We had a long, great conversation about that. But perhaps I, it's for the best because I was a real Leatherface apologist in that podcast. So <laughs> it got weird. It got weird. <laughs> so weird. Maybe it's fake. Maybe it's for the best. So, Chris, why don't you, uh, you know, I feel like we're redoing it a little bit, but why don't you tell the people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, I first want to state that uh, maybe it's for the best that that Texas Chainsaw Massacre footage got lost because it was just so good. It was like, I think it was going to be too hard to top. It would probably get you a Peabody. Is that an award for podcasting? I don't know. So yes. it's best that that footage was lost. And there were a couple of awkward moments, Kristen, where you were like definitely feeling too sorry for Leatherface. And I just would awkwardly <laughs> shake my hand, try not to shake my head, and try not to get canceled. Uh <laughs> just saying, he's just trying to keep his family together. You know, I get him. <laughs> yeah, I remember the family aspect of Leatherface in the gang. That was great. <laughs> so, Chris, you are a stand-up comedian and also teacher. Am I correct? Yes, I. Uh, it's like my Clark Kent. Uh, I teach during the day, and then I do the comedy at night. But it, it's all kind of uh, carries over. You know, I teach speech and communications and a little bit of theater. So I'm practicing what I preach, and I always believe that if you can make a high school class laugh or at least smile, you're doing something right, because that's the toughest crowd, in my opinion. Yes, that's the same motto I use, like to diffuse situations on a picket line or any stressful situation. It's like, mm -hmm. OK, if I can make them laugh, <laughs> I got a foot in the door. <laughs> yes, definitely, for sure. I, um, you know, sometimes for my job, I have to go into like high schools, middle schools. Yeah, students can be intimidating. I feel I uh, you're brave, my friend. Well, I tell you what, the worst feeling is every time I think I'm making some headway with this comedy stuff, uh, I come to class on Monday and I'm quickly reminded that I'm a nobody and <laughs> I'm not Kevin Hart. And I mean, it is definitely, you know, we're laughing about it, but Kristen, it's a real emotional <laughs> roller coaster. And if anything, I can say it keeps me grounded. It keeps me, uh, I'll never have a big head until these high school kids find me at least somewhat funny. Yeah, keeps you humble. Uh, what's For the sure. what's the best burn you've ever gotten? Well, my burns are a little bit more diabolical. Like I said, I, te I teach in an alternative high school and I've had, you know, just this week, I've had people threaten to kill me, threaten oh. to fight me. And uh, yeah, it's not as funny as you think. And, you know, one of my jokes that I use on stage is, you know, when stuff like this happens, I, I had a kid. He was supposed to be doing a project or working on a computer where he's playing video games. And I said, hey, man, you can't be doing that. And he was like, schlick teen, don't make me kill you. I'm like, you know, that common student sass. And I, I'm just going through my Rolodex of like witty comebacks. And all I could come up with was uh, that's Mr. Schlick teen to you. <laughs> You're going to kill me. You show me some respect. That's the best I could come up with. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. I like it. It's not going to get the best you. one, Kristen, he apologized for being disrespectful for not saying Mr. I'm like, not the killing part, but. You know, yeah. you, you take the small victories where you can. 
sure. I get a with my mustache. I get a lot of Paul Blart Mall Cop. That never gets old. Um, <laughs> it's a good mustache. Yeah. It's a solid dad yeah, mustache. mustache. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> what made you want to grow the mustache? Was there a moment where you're like, "This is me now"? Or Kristen, I am a middle aged white guy. Uh, trying to make headway in comedy. So I figured if I wore a lot of like track suits and maybe had a mustache, maybe that would make me. Also, my last name is Schlichtine, which is brutal. So if anything, maybe the mustache, make... it's brutal, man. I Sometimes MCs will ask me how to pronounce it and they're like, is it Schlichtine? I'm like, I think. I don't even know what this, <laughs> I don't even know anymore. So... <laughs> Yeah, so, so mustache just something to make me stand out. You know, it's also my dad always had one. So uh, yeah. kind of in a non-hipster way, it's a tribute to him, I guess. <laughs> I like that. I've also grown one to uh, tribute as my dad as well. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did it as a tribute to me for the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, both of you. Both of you. Stop it. You look lovely. <laughs> oh, thank you. Hey, so what's the first horror movie that you remember seeing as a kid? <laughs> Oh man, we got to rehash this. We uh, do, yeah. All right, so well, I had my dad. Did. I love him. I got the mustache. I love him, but he maybe made some poor choices as a parent. He took me to some movies in the theater, maybe a little too young for me. Um, I was a little too young at the time. I have memories of two movies stand out. The one is, I believe it was 1989, The Blob Remake, um, mm -hmm. which. It's a silly movie about, you know, this goop from outer space that essentially eats people. But there's some pretty disturbing scenes of, you know, people getting sucked down the drain and like, you know, tears away their flesh. Way too young. Uh, I think I was eight or nine. Had to wait out in the movie theater like lobby for my dad, who didn't leave, who didn't leave the theater. Um, <laughs> wanted to finish the movie. I had to wait out in the lobby for him to finish this was also back in the day where like movies were a nickel like i'm like dad you couldn't like just eat the nickel and <laughs> come i'll pay you back yeah <laughs> so that movie definitely stands out uh and then i think for some reason i thought maybe three four years later i was ready for um, a movie about a doctor that was not uh who probably had some malpractice suits it was called dr giggles and i know you, i think you've heard of it right <laughs> i have yes that's a great name great movie yeah, totally Dr. Giggles, which was kind of a B-movie, horror movie, and I remember leaving the movie theater again, but this time, instead of waiting, I went to do Mr. Baseball. <laughs> Tom Selleck to comfort you. Movie and just, <laughs> yeah, Tom Selleck, yeah, that's right, you're totally right, it was Mr. Baseball or something, Tom Selleck, there's another one with Bernie Mac, I get him confused, but yeah, so those two movies stand out, I also remember watching Child's Play Way Too Young, and I had a My Buddy doll, which oh. was traumatizing, oh. yeah, which was like, Almost identical, except for like blonde hair, I think. And then, uh, you know, now they're silly, but not at the time. Those Leprechaun movies, I still won't eat Lucky Charms. That was dumb. But you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you know that there is also a horror franchise about a haunted bong and there's like crossover between Leprechaun? Yeah. So sometimes no. when I... I have not heard that, but I love oh. like the two I... There was like one phone call. They were like, you know what? I like what you're doing. <laughs> like, yeah. And so sometimes when I feel down about like the world, I think about how there are seven movies about a haunted bong. So like if someone can make seven movies about a haunted bong, I can do anything. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely for sure. <laughs>
All right. So, you know, I know that we are both lovers of horror, but how do you, what do you like about horror? What draws you to it as a genre? Well, there's some about horror movies, uh, the voyeurism of like watching. I think that's the right word. Well, you're watching from afar and you're not directly involved. Kristen, I, I'll tell my students this. For, this is a weird kind of thing too. Like I like horror video games as long as I'm not playing. There's something about being in control of the situation. I don't want to be the person that's running away from a crazed man with a chainsaw or like fighting a guy with knives for fingers in my dreams. But I want to see what you do. And I might even make some commentary about that's the wrong choice. As long as I'm like safe at home or in a movie theater, um, there's something about getting the blood flowing and just kind of experiencing a little bit of a rush. You know, it's a, it's a reason why people ride roller coasters, because there's a slim chance that something could go wrong. I think that's in the back of your subconscious. And there's something about watching horror movies where you put yourself in that experience, but you're not in that experience. So you can enjoy it. I don't know. Does that make sense? It's just, I can watch from afar. I just don't like to be involved. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's, it feels powerful to be able to turn it off and walk away and have the rush, but know that I'm okay. I'm in my cozy little house and it's fine. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just thrilling. Um, I love all that ghost stuff and haunted places and Sasquatches. I'm into all that stuff, but I don't want to necessarily experience it. Kristen, like I'm good. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So for us to talk about tonight, Chris has chosen the, Found footage classic, 1996's Blair Witch Project. And Kristen, this movie- I got I to cut you, Kristen, I got to cut you off. Before we get started, though, I have to know, there's either, there's two places you can go. You either love it or you hate it. And this is like the one thing, I don't stand for a lot of stuff. I don't have a lot of political beliefs, but <laughs> I, do stand, I do stand by the fact, I kind of like sit right in the middle and hear both sides, but. I'm telling you, Kristen, I've gotten a lot of arguments, including with my wife, about this movie. I think it's brilliant. So before we continue, Kristen, I just want to know where you're at, and then you can summarize and stuff. I just want to know that I don't want to get in an argument with you. <laughs> the podcast to ruin the friendship. Uh, no, I love this movie, and I was okay, good, excited good, that you chose good. it. You know, what's interesting, though, is like the first time I saw it, I didn't like it because I didn't know what I was watching. And, you know, at that time, I kind of, I was younger, and I liked more, um, you know, I'd say high budget horror with lots of effects and things. And I remember watching that and feeling kind of like, what the fuck did I just watch? You know, um, I wasn't old enough to understand nuance, I think, you know, yeah. I wanted things more obvious. But now as an adult, you know, I've rewatched it so many times in the past 20 years or however long it's been out. Time has no meaning anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the nuance, the terror, um, the not knowing, and then that ending is just like so good. Yeah. I'm like on the flip side of your coin. I'm on the flip side because I think the first time, I wouldn't say I liked it, but it definitely had an impact on me. Yeah. And then the second time I watched it, years down the road, when I was, I realized this is big. I realized it wasn't real. I didn't like it. I, I the fun was gone, so I didn't enjoy it. I've only watched it. You said you watched it, a, you know, a few hundred times, maybe. I've only watched it maybe five or six, honestly. 
including the so I first time I watched it traumatized me. Second time I was like, this is so dumb. And then rewatching it the last time, I was like, no, it's 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 good. It holds up. I see what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, I totally, I totally know what you're. So I guess the main question I need to ask you, Kristen, is when you saw it originally, did you think it was real? Yeah, and I was kind of like having a hard time putting together the logic of it because I, I, I mean, I didn't have internet at the time, but I know that they had created that website about mm-hmm. all the characters who had gone missing. Yep. So like part of that didn't sit right with me because it was like, oh, my God, these people are really dead and we're going to go watch them die. You know, like (laughs) you are correct in that belief. And I think they harness it. So I don't know, Kristen, do you have to summarize it real quick and then we can dive into it or? You know what? I think everyone's seen it. Let's skip it. It's, okay. you know, okay. Our school kids get lost in the woods. It doesn't go well. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think the main thing is this is like this kind of set. This wasn't the first found footage film, but I think it's the most popular one. It definitely kind of reinvigorated found footage. Um, and I think the thing that stands out to me, you touched on it. It's not shot well. It's not like a professionally made film. Um, I believe the actors shot all the footage themselves and create, and that's what was, that's what really hit home with me is because I think Texas Chainsaw, we talked about that. They even say this is based on actual events. Mm-hmm. Clearly it's so campy. This is not, you know, this is not actual footage we're watching. Um, but this feels so low budge and so poorly done that I'm like, maybe people did, maybe this is actual footage. And that's what, like you said, I felt very, there was a moment in the theater and we can talk about when I first saw it, but um, I did, I felt uncomfortable as a, I would think I was 17 and I'm like, I don't feel right. I feel like I'm watching essentially a snuff film. Yes. And it did not feel right at all. <laughs> and, I had that same and Chris, we're talking, we're talking Catholic, Catholic school, Chris. Yeah. There were layers <laughs> and layers upon this stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So what made you choose this traumatizing film? Well, I think I was, um, I don't want to say drinking the Kool-Aid, but sipping the Kool-Aid. Are we talking about why, why did I choose it for this podcast? Or why did I choose yes. it to go see it when I was a young man? <laughs> oh, we, we can dive into both. Yeah. <laughs> okay. well, I, I just think, I just think uh, you talked about, you know, making a movie about a haunted bong or a killer bong seven times. Yeah. This was essentially a movie that me and you we could go shoot you give us a month um you give us some cameras um they always talk about the low budge which Kristen, i don't know how much it makes it it takes to make a movie but sixty thousand dollars seems like a lot of money i know it's not by hollywood standards but that's essentially the budget they had sixty thousand dollars and it's like still i don't think i don't think it sets the record anymore i think it got blown out by like paranormal activity which honestly stole probably from Blair Witch, but at the time it was like the highest gross. And I think it grossed like 248 million, 200, wow. almost 250 million dollars. So that's a huge uh return on your investment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually watching this. Um, there's a guy on YouTube that makes uh like talks about horror movies, it's called Dead Meat, but he was talking about how for this movie they basically found three improvisers and mm-hmm. were like, okay, you're perfect. You're going to act this out. They would give them a direction every day. 
they would give them rations. And like, as the film went on, the rations lessened and they would fuck with them at night. So like part of it is like, after learning that, I'm like, oh my God, like we were watching people be tortured in the woods. You know, I kind of like, uh, also, I want to apologize if you're picking up any auto. My dogs, it's not the Blair Witch. I have my dogs kind of snoring <laughs> next to me. <laughs> so everyone, you're not hearing anything spooky. It's just my pugs. Uh, but I, you know, I kind of compare it to Kristen as comics. I'm sure you, we know people. I know you probably know people. I know people that promote themselves really, really well. They are all over social media. They talk about how they're doing Vegas, even though it's an open mic. And like, they're just like doing all these things. But in terms of their act, well, whatever. They're they're okay, but they're definitely not as big as they promote it. And I think that's kind of what the Blair Witch Project did. They invested, they focused all their time and energy on the promotion of this film. They created a website. They created a fake documentary on sci-fi, which should have been an indicator that something was up. But uh <laughs> I remember watching that documentary. I remember watching, um, going to the website. This was kind of pre-internet where you couldn't really explore as much. You have to dial it up. And, yeah, uh, you had to go to the library. <laughs> and not only that, you talk about method acting. They, I think these actors signed a contract where they had to stay out of the limelight after this movie was released, including IMDb. They had, you know, year of birth and then... They they had missing pres, missing presumed dead on IMDb, so they are all in on this promotion. And so honestly, Kristen, I think it the movie itself they don't need the great cinematography or all that uh, special effects and stuff. In fact, there's something about a movie that's interesting. You don't see the Blair Witch, mm-hmm. and. So there's something about those kind of movies where you don't see the monster that your mind, you know, that's why you could argue that maybe a book. I, uh, I recently watched or read the shining. Well, by, I don't know if this counts, Chris, and I listened to the audio book, but I still count as I read it, but <laughs> you read with your ears. Yes. I read with my ears. Um, but there's something, and I've seen the shining movie thousands of times, but there's some about listening to the book. You're starting to get different. Now it's a little harder because you keep going to the movie, but the visualization that the words that Stephen King is using it, it just really, my mind's more scary. I think sometimes than what I'm actually seeing. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. If they would have had like a phony looking witch come out with green skin or whatever, it would have ruined the whole movie. You know, it's way scarier to not be let in on the secret and to still be left wondering what happened to these kids. Yes, definitely. That's, and I, I think, That's like what local legends are made out of. For sure, for sure. And I think there was actually, I don't know if you, you stumbled upon this at all. I guess there was a moment in the movie where they were supposed to show the witch. But there was a moment when they when they are running out of the tent towards the end of the movie, uh, Heather, who's the main uh, girl, the camper, she, she says, what the fuck is that? And the camera guy was supposed to turn to the left to get a picture of somebody like kind of all dressed in black, just kind of running around, but he forgot to. And I think that was probably a good move or a good edit to just leave that in because like you said, it probably wouldn't have done it justice. Absolutely not. It's way more terrifying to be there with them as like a participant, you know, also not knowing what's going on. Yes. And, uh, 
And I, that's and you know, there's another layer to this, Kristen. Like, and I don't, I'm not trying to talk crap to any outdoors. I hate camping. Me like, too. I, am, I have a house. Okay, I'm good. It. Yay, Kristen! I love you even more. I just, uh, I'm not a big fan. I've never had a really good camping experience. I think it's kind of. Uh, I have a house. I'm good. You know, if I if I can, I'll get a hotel. But yeah, there's something about. I don't want to be out in the woods. I'm good. There's, you know, un, uncharted, undocumented America. I don't want to see that. I want to see roads and telephone poles and stuff like that. You know, yeah, know love a couch, love a couch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I 100%. So that's, that's another, that's another layer. And they didn't have cell phones to look up where they were. And it's just, no, it's not for me. And I don't know, Chris, I don't know where the sun sets or how to make a compass out of a paperclip or I don't know how to do any of that. So. I would just join the Blair Witch team and go hunt my friends. <laughs> I would try to make a deal. Can I stay? Can I keep my teeth? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would be um, totally at their mercy. I have no outdoor <laughs> skills. I am a liberal arts kid. Um, nope. Yeah. There's another, there's another intriguing aspect. I don't know as a, as a woman, if you, cause it's Heather, it's a girl and two guys. And I kind of felt uncomfortable for Heather um, in this situation. And there was, I guess, you know, in the movie, they're ganging up on her a lot, like really chewing her out. This was her idea. Um, she's the one that had the map. She gets lost. And it felt, it was uncomfortable at times. And, you know, there's one guy, I believe it was Mike who, they didn't even know that good. They hired him because he had a camera or something. I think that was the guy they hired. But she's essentially out in the middle of nowhere with strangers. And it was that was another aspect that kind of made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, because they were very quick to turn on her. And like, yeah, she might not like 100% know how to navigate the terrain. But also you could shipped in and been like a teammate and you know, instead of interrogating and attacking, trying to suggest, I don't know, that theme felt very 90s of like, oh, this stupid bitch, you know, like that very <laughs> yeah. uh, antagonistic, like this lady thinks she knows it all, we're going to take her down a peg, like, yeah. oh, that felt so 90s and like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> chapter of I'm so glad yeah. is in the past. Know. One thing I want to mention too is, uh, Heather, you know, they all went by their real names too, which I thought was interesting too, just mm-hmm. to add to the add to the myth that they were trying to create. But uh, you know, Heather, which I think is unfair, honestly, and I think a lot of people agree, but she got a Razzie, which is like worst actress, um, you know, the year this came out. And I just think that that's kind of unfair because I don't think she did a bad job. She was she was kind of annoying to me, but not in a way again. Kristen, I'm watching this, and there were a couple of moments when I remember when I first saw this, it seemed, there were moments of it being hokey, where I'm like, they're really talking like this? Like, I don't talk like this with my friends, especially if there's trauma, or if we're lost, or we're scared. Some of it felt a little scripted, and, but, again, they did nothing to convince me otherwise that it wasn't real footage, so... I, I I don't think that was – and she has that famous monologue towards the end where the camera's, like, looking up her nose, and she's essentially <laughs> apologizing and scared out of her mind. I think that was a little unfair, and uh, I, I think she deserves more kudos instead of the Razzie. I do, too, because she was playing the role she was supposed to be. She's supposed to be an annoying film school kid, and she nailed it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know how theater. I'm gonna I'm gonna hate mail for this, but like you know theater hey, kids. I'm uh, a theater major. I'm a, I'm a theater major. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you have to understand, Chris, and I went from jock in high school, football playing jock, to theater major in college. So I'm like, oh, I can memorize lines. This will be easy. Oh, wow. What made that I change was, happen? Uh, I wanted to be communicate. I wanted to do the least amount of work possible in college. So I thought that be communication. <laughs> so I did. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I, You know, first person in my family to go to college, I'm going to do whatever I can to get by. So. I picked communications, and at my small liberal arts school, you couldn't do communications without doing a theater major. You had to do both. Oh. So I'm like, yeah, I'll do theater. This is, you know, Brad Pitt, I'm sure, was a theater major. George Clooney, these guys are high-profile actors. Um, And the first, I think I was in a class, I was in a scene with a guy who was, like, on full scholarship. And I'm acting, I'm saying my lines, and then he responds, and I didn't respond back because I'm like, Dude, are you a cop? You you feel like you're an actual detective. Like he was so convincing. You gotta tell you're me if you're <laughs> Yeah, you're emotionally connected to your words and stuff, man. <laughs> like, oh wow. Yeah, but that's ironically, that's how I fell in love with comedies because the playwriting. I'm like, so wait, if I write something down, you guys have to act it out. Awesome. So I would just write these really outlandish plays, and as long as I kind of stood by the fact that it was art. No, this is what. No, this is. Shh, listen to my art, and I I'd wear a stocking hat, which emphasizes my art. And oh, yeah, uh, you need one. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go beret. I didn't go beret. <laughs> or, I had a scarf and a little scarf, and uh, yeah, I just fell in love with the playwriting, and it definitely opened my, my my eyes to a whole other world. Plus, theater kids, best partiers. I stand by that. Mm, nice. I don't know many, but I'll take your word for it. Oh, I take you to some great parties. <laughs> <laughs> I can stand awkwardly in the corner. like. <laughs> so what I love about this movie is that it really highlights and gives tribute to the idea of the local urban legend, you know? And one of my favorite urban legends is the clown statue in The Babysitter. Do you know that one? Okay, yeah. Classic. So good, so good. For those of you that don't know, it's the one where the babysitter is watching the kids and then they're playing in the basement and they get creeped out. So they go upstairs and then the babysitter says to the parents, oh, we had fun, but that clown statue you have in the basement is really creepy. And then the parents say, we don't have a clown statue. Wah! It was an axe murderer. But I'm curious, because you're in Iowa, are there any like local legends? Like what's the Blair Witch of Iowa or your area? That's a great question. You know, a lot of the legends that come to mind right away, you know, you know, I think your podcast namesake, unless I'm missing some, is based off the Bloody Mary uh, folklore of looking in the mirror. That was a big one. I remember doing that way too young. I've been to play. I've been to these crybaby bridges, which I've also discovered. I think every state has a crybaby bridge, which oh, is essentially yeah. a bridge in the middle of nowhere, kind of on a dirt road where allegedly a school bus went off the rails or, you know, some sort of kids got killed or drowned. And if you go there at night, you can hear kids laughing or like crying. In fact, Chris, and there's a whole other level where, and where if you put your car in neutral on a perfectly level bridge, your car will roll forward as if you're being pushed uh, off the bridge, like to get off the bridge. Um, in fact, I've heard stories of people putting flour on the back of their cars and seeing little handprints. <laughs> Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, 
Yeah, we have we have a crybaby bridge, which is about I don't know forty five minutes away, which I've been to in the middle of the night. I, I think there's a Schlick comedy sticker that somebody put on it. I don't know who oh, would put a Schlick. <laughs> sticker. Uh, which is probably like you don't want to. As much as I love folklore and, and don't necessarily buy into all the folklore and myths, I don't like to mess around with it. So now that I'm talking out loud, Chris, and there's there's one that I love. In fact, I recently got. I've been going through a midlife crisis where I've been getting tattoos. I'm oh, 40 and I, yeah, I've already got like five in the last three years, but one of my favorite ones, it's in Iowa city. It's at a cemetery called, uh, I think it's called Oakland cemetery. There is the black, the black angel monument or statue. I don't know if you've ever heard of this Mm-mm. very foreboding, uh, statue, all the, you know, it's got all these beautiful sculptures in the cemetery, but in the middle of the cemetery, there's a huge, about six feet tall, seven foot, if you count the thing it's on, but it's this huge black angel with a real huge wingspan. And it's weird because it's pitch black. It's like black as night. And instead of looking up, like most angels do, like up at the heavens, it's looking down and it's just very... You know, there's all these myths around it that if you touch it, you're going to have bad luck. If you're a virgin, you're going to have bad luck. If, you, if you're if you pregnant, you're going to lose the baby. I love it. It's I remember the first time seeing this, it, I didn't I didn't know where it was, but you find it and you know where it is. And every time I'm in Iowa City, I always go there. And to this day, I've never touched it. Never touched ah, it. I wouldn't touch it either. Never touched it. Yeah, it's just <laughs> why, why it's, there's two levels to that. One, why risk it? And number two, it is a gravestone. It's a grave marker. Some, there are there is there is a family underneath that buried, and it's just like nah. I, I'll be respectful. Like I've been to the Velisca Axe Murder House, which is a famous unsolved murder from the 1900s. Uh, axe murderer came into this house, murdered a family of eight. They were like most. I I think most were kids. Two kids will spend the night there. They weren't even part of the family. Unsolved. I've been in that house exploring, and I was in there with some people that were really kind of disrespectful. I'm like guys. Whether you believe it or not, people died here. And I just, that's a whole other level to my ghost hunting. You know, I just, you got to be respectful to the dead. I agree completely. You know, what's interesting is um, Hulu has a new show out called Living for the Dead, which is about queer ghost hunters. And I do feel it has a very Blair Witch vibe to it. Like they hold cameras to talk to themselves, but they're being filmed by like a real camera crew as well. So it does feel like a fun little nod to uh, Blair Witch. Yeah. And uh, another, a podcast that I listen to that you'd love to, it's, it's Dan Cummings and his wife and it's uh, scared to death and they take stories from all over. And I was so giddy because they did the black angel from Iowa city and I was so giddy, but they were kind of hating on it. And I was kind of defensive of like, Hey, you leave that alone. You know, they were just kind of, they had valid points like how folklore, they don't really buy into all that urban legend stuff. But I was like disappointed that it didn't scare them as much as I wanted it to. Um, now, granted, they've never been there. They've never seen the eyes. They've never felt the feeling. It just it just feels eerie. So yeah, the Black Angel is definitely a pretty powerful urban legend, I think, that's pretty close to where I live. Cool. Yeah, those are always fun to hear about from people. I like hearing about the different cryptoids around the Midwest, especially. Yeah. Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin's got a bunch. The the Beast of Bray Road. Um, there's like whole areas that are pretty spooky. Look at you shaking. Look how proud you are. Proud, <laughs> proud mama. Like, yeah, we got a lot of weird <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I went to a Bigfoot convention in the Upper Peninsula a few years back, and that was actually really fun. But I was surprised to find out, like, people do want to murder Bigfoot. And I was, like, taken aback by that. Cause, like, I thought we you know, love Freddie, like, I love I, I love our relationship because you might say that out in public and people might tease you, but I'm literally jealous. <laughs> I'm, like, so jealous. <laughs> it was so fun. Um, <laughs> I, I have a funny story real quick about how I drove, we drove to North Carolina one year, the whole family. And when they were asleep, I drove us maybe an hour and a half out of the way to go to Point Pleasant, West Virginia to visit the Mothman Museum. Oh, fun. Yeah, which is a famous cryptoid too, uh, you know, the Mothman prophecies. And I tell you what, man, we talk about the Blair Witch not seeing the Blair Witch because it wouldn't do you justice. I don't think it was the museum didn't do it justice. Like it was a bunch of Chris. It, it was a bunch of Richard Gear props from the movie. It wasn't like actual <laughs> artifacts. Like, Does that make sense? It was like the jacket that he wore in the seat. I'm like, where's a footprint of yeah? This is cool. I want photos. Yeah. So, but I love it. It's just and the whole town. It's not a very bustling town. They definitely lean into that. Uh, urban legend what's the one up and there's one up and way up north in wisconsin it's like this green beast i can't i can't think of it off the top of my head do you know what i'm talking about by any chance the green beast no i don't know it's like about it's, the green one the, uh, man it's gonna drive me nuts i'll see if i can find it but yeah i went to that town too and that's a wisconsin <laughs> i'm so what sorry the hodag what the yeah, yeah there it is oh, okay yeah uh, yeah, that um, is just a friendly little guy. He, um, I think that's above around Rhinelander. That's real big. Yeah, I, you know, you want, you want to know how much of an impression I have? I have a bumper sticker on my truck. And for you to make a bumper sticker on my, that's why I'm ashamed I didn't know it. But uh, it's got to be pretty, you know, I have the Chiefs Super Bowl stickers. And then I have a whole bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a nice pair. Rhinelander would appreciate yeah, well, it. <laughs> I got the, the, all the, I like all that weird stuff. It's just, it's fun. Every town, I think you nailed it on the head that every town, you know, since I've gotten sober and stuff and I don't go to taverns anymore when I'm on the road, I'll Google what's haunted and, or what's an urban legend. And usually you can find something. Atlas Obscura is a cool, fun app that I use on my phone that will take me to like UFO sightings and like crybaby bridges, weird, like the largest frying pan, weird stuff like that. It's just intriguing. It's, it's fun. Oh, yeah. Cheesy, I feel like that's the best part of touring is finding all these weird, fun little places. Like my top priorities in a town are always I need your coffee shops, your bookstore and your cemetery. What's your favorite three? <laughs> Chris, that, that honestly is probably like right out of my diary. <laughs> yeah, that, that is exactly coffee. You said coffee, cemetery and bookstore. Yep. Yeah. She's that's a scoopy nerd. <laughs> But my rule is, Kristen, and this is also a law thing, but I will go visit your spooky things pre-show. I'm not gonna hit up uh I'm not gonna hit up that cemetery in the middle of the night no. uh, at midnight. First off, I'm 42. I'm not gonna be jumping a fence or hiding from cops or creepy undertakers. Yeah. And I get I get a good feel for it during the day. It's just as spooky. <laughs> it's better to see during the day, too. So I, I don't like Elon Musk or Teslas or anything, but there is this feature on the Tesla with the auto drive where it will send about. spirits or like it'll like if you're in a cemetery, it'll recognize people that aren't there. Yeah. And I do love that. 
I've seen I've seen footage of that, and that is that to me is probably debunkable. Like you could probably mm-hmm. prove something, but it's pretty cool. It's pretty neat. I think as I've gotten older, I tend to be more. I lean more to skepticism, just to help. And I've I've read I've listened to enough podcasts where they say that's okay. A healthy dose of skepticism is good because you believe everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's pretty cool. I like that. You know, I do too. And it's funny as I get older, I get more like, yeah, it totally happens. Like, I don't know how to reconcile it in my mind. Cause I'm an atheist. I don't believe in anything, but like, oh yeah, yeah. for sure. There's ghosts. Like, <laughs> I don't know how I make that make sense, but I'm like, yep. A comedian that I love Ryan Singer out of LA. He has a podcast called paranormal you and he just has the best. I just, he sums it up so perfectly. He just says it's more fun to believe. It is. I'm like, it is. You nailed it on the head, Ryan. So yeah, it's more fun to believe. You can be a jerk, and like, I can make fun of you for going to Sasquatch uh, festivals, but why? Why not? It's interesting. Um, yeah, plus, I agree. When and the Sasquatches, me. <laughs> yeah, and when the Sasquatches do show up, like if Blair Witch did show up, I'd be like, dude, I believe in you. I believe in you. Like, let's. I'll join. Can I be your like uh, secretary or something? I got a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. What I really love about this movie, too, is it kind of like takes all the bad things that happened in this area. You know, you have the witch, you have the child murderer, you have disappearances, you have mass graves. And it kind of blends it all into this hysteria that the three film students are trying to decode and decipher, but ultimately fall victim to like I feel like they fall victim to the same type of hysteria that we would have seen during witch hunt and that was really compelling to me oh yeah definitely like uh like I said there's just something about watching these people struggle and even though I felt safe I felt helpless because I felt like I was I I wanted to help these people or like I felt shameful that I was eating popcorn and drinking soda and watching this uh this movie which um yeah just really and it's such a subtle slow burn there's small there's like checkpoints in the movie when they find the sculptures of the wood in the in the forest in the middle of the woods there's these man-made I mean, they, they're not nature. It's mm-hmm. these weird, famous sculptures of the tree branches that look like little people. You know what the worst part, Kristen? Not, when the movie got established at what was happening, I remember being in the theater and just dreading night. They're going to camp out again. And I remember being like so scared, Kristen, that night was coming and they were going to have to set up camp. They had no choice. They were lost. And that's when the most of the activity happened. You know, paranormal activity to this too. Every time they go to bed, I I dreaded it because I'm like, something's going to happen. And sure enough, they, they would hear like branches. Be, it was so subtle. And they'd wake up the next morning, there'd be a pile of rocks. There was, you know, the package of Josh's teeth and stuff. Like That was terrifying. Just that was absolutely terrifying. And you can, I mean, that's another thing. Heather was uh, getting annoying because she was out of her mind scared. Yeah. Like the last scene, she is screaming. Uh, she is so out of her mind uh, scared. And it, it it was making me feel uncomfortable. And like my famous story, Kristen, was that I, I'm 17 years old. I got my, I took a date, a girl that I really liked to see this movie. And I was I said I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid, but I was sipping the Kool-Aid about, oh, this being real. I went to the website. 
And Chris, and just I mean, I know I'm not I don't look tough now, but Letterman's jacket, you know, captain oh, yeah. of the football team. <laughs> like uh <laughs> I I I'd afraid of no witch. Yeah. Uh a lady in the woods, no way. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's the you know, that's another aspect of horror movies. You know, you, you know, you bring a significant other, you're gonna like be you're gonna save the day, she's gonna cower and you know, hide behind you and you got to protect her, you know? Um, but there was a movie about halfway, not even halfway in this movie. I forgot I had a date, Kristen. I forgot I had a date. I'm in survival <laughs> mode because I felt so uncomfortable. I felt, I don't know if you ever remember, um, you remember you ever hearing about face, remember that movie franchise faces of death? Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was a popular, I think late seventies. My dad would dabble. My dad was weird. We all, we established that, but he would watch these movies and occasionally I would sneak down and watch it and instantly feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I was watching. Things like you heard the hype and you were like, yeah, I want, Oh my God, I want to see it. That big VHS box. And then mm -hmm. 30 seconds in, it's like, Okay, I'm done. Yeah, Faces of Death was uh, uh, essentially they they claimed it was like actual footage of de death and stuff. And I don't know how true that is, but there are, there are some unsettling scenes that still stick with me. And that's the same vibe I got watching Bla as a 17 year old kid, 10 years from Faces of Death down the road. And like my funny story, Kristen, I, I go home, I drop off my date. I don't I don't even remember what happened. Like, I don't even care anymore. I'm just like so traumatized. I get home, 17-year-old Chris. I knock on my mom's door and just ask her if she wants to like hang out or talk. Mm -hmm. And just not even about the movie, just I wanted to be by my mom and like almost I didn't do this, but I wanted to set up like a little fort underneath, like by the bed. <laughs> um and that lingering feeling lasted for maybe, that's the worst part. It lasted for about a week. Oh, wow. I was, you got your money's you know worth. Yeah. I, you ever had that feeling? I'm You were probably a goody goody, but I, I was kind of, I did a lot of trouble. I, I caused trouble. And sometimes I didn't know if I got away with it. And so there'd be like a period of time where I'd be like, I don't know if I'm in trouble. I don't know if the neighbors knew that I threw poop on their garage or not. But <laughs> I, I gotta wait this out. And then eventually after a month, you'd be like, I think I'm in the clear. That's how I felt just so dirty for watching the Blair Witch Project. And yeah, and that's that's why this movie stands out. That's why it's this feeling has never been recreated by any other movie I've watched because now I see the wizard behind the curtain. I know that this is special effects. I know that that's an actor, but I didn't think that with Blair Witch. And mm -hmm. That's why that stands out. Mm -hmm, definitely. And now, like, even on this rewatch, I got a little more out of it. Like, uh, are you familiar with Skinwalker TikTok? I'm not familiar with the TikTok, but I am familiar with Skinwalker, which is okay, a very interesting so, crypto, too. Yeah, that's, like, one of my favorite topics lately. And I couldn't help but feel like there's some Skinwalker influence in there. Like, when Josh is missing... And you can hear him say, follow my voice, follow my voice. Like, because you know how a skinwalker will mimic the last Help me. thing. Help me. They yes. try to get you. Yes. And I was like, oh, my God, Josh. Oh, that's a skinwalker. Like, and then we that. see his teeth in the bundle. Mm -hmm. and like, oh, he was already dead. I love that. And that adds up because I did a little bit of research. I went down a TikTok wormhole of Blair Witch. And one of the things that I came across too was that when the Blair Witch could control time. So when they went in the woods, the road was gone. The car was gone. Oh. The footage was found underneath the foundation of the house. 
so the house was built upon you know there was something like time gap um there's also theories out there that josh the one that went missing went crazy and he essentially was killing or luring these people um and killing them too there's stuff like that the one interesting thing which i i stumbled across Kristen, which i wanted to share with you is so they had like three cameras and you know handheld all these different types of cameras but one they actually rented from a a current city or a radio shack or something like that some sort of they rented it and they took so they shot this epic movie they returned that camera there is a camera floating around someplace that was used in the Blair Witch Project. Is that, is that That's crazy? That's so cool. You know I, mean? I love it. <laughs> it's such a an interesting prop that kind of got forgotten about. They returned in this movie, this camera, and who knows where it is now, you know? That is wild. And it was just such a quick little... If you're not paying attention, they set up the folklore. They set up the myth, which was an, an urban legend that was created by the directors. The people that they're interviewing in the beginning were paid actors. I don't think our team, our three guys, knew that. So they're kind of probably buying in a little bit to this myth. And um, just a really quick reference to there is a, I think the character's name was Rustin Parr. They mentioned who would kill the kid. He killed like seven kids. He would take them down the basement two at a time. He didn't like the eyes, so he'd put one in the corner. Just a real casual, casual throwaway interview. But if you're not paying attention, that ending doesn't make sense. And exactly. So that was enough for me. I'm already traumatized watching these people struggle. And to see the end where the guy's in the corner, it didn't hit me right away. But I'm like, oh, 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 oh. he was put in the corner. Oh, man. Oh, man. So I'm just talking to you now. I got chills. Just like when you yeah. bring up that clown statue. It gave me chills. <laughs> we don't have a clown statue. <laughs> what? Get out. <laughs> Uh, do you ever notice, like, I love hiking. So I hate camping, but I love hiking. I love going home at night. But I have noticed people love to make the rock piles in the woods. And I'm, it makes me irritated. It's like, why, why are you bringing this here? You know, do you see that ever when you go hiking? You know, uh, kind of on the same lines, but like, you know, I'll, I'll go on the bike. I went through a bike riding phase where I'd ride my bike on the bike path or I, I don't mind uh, walking on trails too. I love nature, you know, and like listen to a good podcast or some good beats. But uh, I always think I would never do this because I'm an adult and I just don't. But like you could totally set up a weird, scary clown or statue just far off in the distance. I mean, how easy is it to create your own folklore? You know what I mean? Like to create some sort of myth. I don't know. There's always like, I, I walk around my house, my, my neighborhood. I kind of live out in the boonies a little bit. And um, I will kind of create my own little urban legends around things that I see. You know, we have a small little pond and we call it alligator pond because allegedly there was an, you know, we just, it's fun, but you wonder how much fun, like the whole dag I think was based off a myth and the guy even admitted it, but people just buy into it. You know, they just, yeah, it's they fun lean to into it. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Actually, there is a place I like to go hiking called Mount Haggard. And um, at the top of that bluff, someone did carve a pentagram into the bluff and it's like six feet wide. And we have been up there other times where there's been like the remains of fires and weird, um, almost like dolls from like the Blair Witch kind of like stick wow. figure things. But in my mind, it's always, oh, it's just people like leaving something to look like it's a story, you know? Which in itself, like, uh, you know, there's a great line in this movie, too, where they talk about how at night their tents getting messed with and they're hearing noises. And Mike says, 
you know, people are out here messing with us. And that is scary. Like, who's going to come out here and mess with us? Or it's not people. And that's just as scary, if not more right? scary. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. I think that's, that's, right. a great, that's a great line. So even, Kristen, if people are just messing around and putting dolls, it takes a special person to go to that level. Um, one of the one of the things I remember when I was on the road, I, I found it was in Illinois someplace. It was called the Nine Gates of Hell. And essentially, you go under nine bridges. You go underneath them, like they're railroad cars up above. But you go through all nine. And on the ninth one, it's supposed to be a porter to hell. So I'm going through uh -oh. all. I find them. They're kind, of, they're kind of far away. So I'm on like seven. And they say spray painted one, gate one, gate three. It tells you. And then... I think on one of the gates, it's getting to be like dusk. I saw a teenager spray painting on, and I'm like, dude, I don't care if this is real or not. I don't want to interrupt whatever they're doing. <laughs> like, I don't want to interrupt what they're meeting. Teens. Um, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And like, I've been to cemeteries where alleged like witchcraft meetings take place, and I'll be at the spot in the middle of the day, and I'm like, like, Kristen, how scary would it be if I just saw a bunch of people in cloaks like walking up? towards the meat i'm like oh my god am i interrupting i got it yeah peace out <laughs> mm -hmm. <I'm good. laughs> yeah. yeah i don't believe anything sinister has happened at hager mountain but i will never sleep there so i don't know yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely I, I i'll take your word for it but i think the one i i will always try to use humor to diffuse situations where i'm in like and i remember it was in Peoria. It was some cemetery. It was called the Witch's Circle where they'd have meetings. And I was scaring myself, but then I noticed there was a lot of like trash. And I'm like, well, whoever these witches are, apparently they're into Smirnoff Ices, which diffused like the <laughs> fact I just envisioned these witches icing themselves. Like, all right, you're up, Beelzebub. Like, chug, chug. <laughs> Absolutely. If it was a bottle of like Old Thompson or Kessler, you know, then yeah. I'd be Smirnoff afraid. Ice. Like so i i just gotta ask did you see the sequel not the remake but the sequel from like 2000 i think it was yes and you're gonna hate me because it's a stereotypical guy thing but the only thing i liked about it is there was some nudity that's, it was that's so all. bad <laughs> it was so bad it was actually hilariously knew... bad it was incredibly bad it might be fun to rewatch now but i don't even it was just talk about what do you call it, a money grab like yeah. why did they do that let it sit um and i didn't care for the remake either because it's the the fun is gone the illusion's gone but i still think this first one just the way they made it Kristen, you mentioned about like smaller rations they didn't have a script they had a loose outline they were improving most of this Movies aren't shot that way. And there was one other aspect that I wanted to bring up too that I can't, it's, it slipped my mind, but oh, like these actors essentially sacrifice their career. Like this Heather girl does not act anymore. She can't, like, I think she's like, oh, like does a cannabis farm, which good for you, girl. Mm -hmm. But you know what I mean? Like she, she, none of these guys could find their footing again after this movie. So, but I think they should be proud. I'm sure there's a lot of like, God, I'm over it. I don't want to talk about it, but. In my opinion, I would love to meet them and like just say, "Look, no, I think what you did, this is like your Mona Lisa. This at least you went out with a movie that has it's been parodied so many times, and uh, you know, pop culture has taken it and run with it. But they did that for a reason because <laughs> it's almost like a it's it's a knock, but it's a tribute too. It's just I don't know, man. It's just you know, I have it on as I'm talking to you, and I'm just 
I'm a, I'm still appreciative of it. And you know, my, my wife, God love her. She just, her only memory is that it made her sick. Like oh, the the up the and key. down. Yeah. yeah. She's not, she's not alone in that. I think a lot of people walked out and just felt dizzy and yeah, I'm sure that was another aspect of hold the camera steady. Yeah. Um, it was also so authentic in that way. So mm -hmm. And I think they do a good job, too, because my only beef with found footage film is at some point, Kristen, you're going to stop filming. You're going to you're going to worry about survival. You know, I'm a hypocrite because sometimes I'm so I'm like, oh, this would be a good TikTok when I'm just like, can I just enjoy this moment with my kids? <laughs> like, I don't need to make a funny video. I um, think about that a lot. Like my boyfriend sent me flowers for Valentine's Day and I was like, oh, got to take a photo, got to put it on social media. And I was like, for who? For what? No, I could just enjoy exactly. this. Like, <laughs> Dude, and I and I, I want to get better at that. It's honestly a mental issue. Like I just cannot, you know, it's as comedians, we're always trying to, obscurity is our enemy and we're just always trying to stay relative. And social media has been a blessing and a curse, especially for us Midwest comics. But um, I think you have to step back a little bit and just appreciate it. But then my rule is, Kristen, when it becomes a job, when my posting becomes like a job, like I have to be funny, I have to be creative. That's when I have to step back and say, no, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah. That's why I never went into comedy full time is because of the idea of what your yep. content is can become, you know, changed or altered based on the fact of who's paying you and you need to get paid, you need to eat. And yep. so I just never wanted to be in that position. I always wanted comedy to be this joyful, pure place. Oh, for sure. And that's a that I think that's a subconscious reason why I don't pursue it full time is because I don't want my comedy to be, I have to be funny. I have to be funny because my kids need to eat. No, I like it as just a supplemental income, uh, a stress reliever, believe it or not. It's it's us comics. We're different. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I'm sure to a degree, you just feel at home on stage. You've worked hard. This is fun. This is, this is your art. I'm the same way. Something about, I need this show to go well. I don't want that. I just, I believe it will go well because I put in the work, but I don't, does that make sense? It does. And you're more willing to take risks, I think, and yeah. do material that is maybe on the fringe and not like, oh, I hate my wife, you know? Like <laughs> yeah. And I, there's a moment, I think, where you know that you've accumulated a fan base, even if it's a handful of people, but you are allowed that freedom to do whatever. And like, hey, guys, this is a funny idea I came up. You can come with me. You can like this if you want, but I'm not going to let this affect my... Uh, my creativity, you know, and uh -huh. I, I, my point though, Chris, was like, they, I think they justify using the camera as just a way to stay sane. I think they talk about it. Like how yeah. they, they keep the camera going because it's, it could be evidence. Um, but that, I think they do a good job of dancing around that because at some point I'm like, put the camera down and survive. They do. And I like it because it's like their defense mechanism where, you know, if you or I were lost in the woods, we would be making jokes. So I think, I think that resonates as artistic people. Like you do what you know. Oh yeah. And I, and I, and I even talked about how when I'm in uncomfortable situations, I will try to be funny. Um, and I would imagine that there are moments in this where they talk about you know, the food that they would eat if they could. And oh, yeah. Oh, I wanted to ask you, what would your um, Blair Witch meal be? <laughs> if you were stranded in the woods dreaming of eating. Man, I love it. Uh, hmm, I'm trying to think. 
some sort of, you know, steak. I think about what I'd want for my birthday. Um, you know, I always tell, I love my favorite food. I love raspberries. Listen to this comfort <laughs> meal, a bowl of raspberries. I put milk on it, like cereal, a little bit of sugar. That's my jam. So, and I could maybe find raspberries and some sort of milk tree. What is cows? But maybe I could find a stray cow. Can you, can you, can you edit out where I said milk tree? Nope. <laughs> Tyler, we're not editing that. Okay. I am an educator. No, Kristen, no. <laughs> Some sort of milk tree. Damn it. Oh, man. <laughs> but yeah, I just, uh, yeah, you know, and, and they're just they're trying to visualize it. That's a classic thing when they talk about what they would eat. That That's fun. <laughs> you know, they're, they're running out of cigarettes. I think there's a moment where they find a pack of cigarettes. Oh, yeah. And yes. And I don't smoke, but I just, I know that comfort of like finding anything normal. Yeah. Oh man. But every time night, every time night comes around, I'm like, these poor people, they watch the sun going down and like, here we go. Here we go. Here it comes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is a fantastic movie. Any uh, final thoughts on Blair Witch Project? I get why you don't i get why a lot of people don't like it i do get it but i just think it needs to be appreciated for i i don't want to say ahead of its time but just kind of setting the bar for like the these found footage films for doing something different for for you know the power of advertising the power of promotion and i just i don't know i just think one of my favorite things about this movie Kristen, it makes us it makes me feel like i could create a movie if if i just you know it makes me feel like i could create a movie I can make a joke work if I just stand by it and believe in it. I can make a movie work if you just believe in it. And I think these guys were all invested in it. And these two, it was two directors. They said they wanted to make a more psychological film, not the horror, not the gore and the guts. And I think they did that. And I will never have that feeling again, I don't think, for any other movie. And that's why I think the Blair Witch Project deserves to be talked about. In fact, Kristen, I've talked, I've toyed around with the idea of getting that Blair Witch stick figure tattoo for my next Tattoo. Do it. Do yeah. it. <laughs> on my neck. On my neck, though. Yeah, huge. <laughs> I support this 100%. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about the Blair Witch Project. And uh, I'm sorry about our sound fiasco from the last episode. What would you like people to know about? What's going on? Well, I'm excited. This is uh, this is kind of exciting. I am going to be in Indianapolis at the end of March, and I'm going to be back on the Bob and Tom show, which has been, it's been like eight years since I've been on the Bob and Tom show when I famously said three sentences because I was nervous and didn't know how to – I was a polite listener on the Bob and Tom show. Yeah, uh, that morning radio format is uh, intense and not for me. Yes. <laughs> and uh, as much as I want, Kristen, as much as I want to do research and kind of figure out how it works, I'm not going to because no. I just can't. Just bring an air horn. <laughs> yes. This is how bad it is, Kristen. I would rather watch Blair Witch 2. Than <laughs> <laughs> it is hilarious. I will say that. But I am going to try to make my mark and just try to be more aggressive because I know it goes nationwide and uh, just try to be try to be goofy. Take advantage of these opportunities because that's one of my big problems is I get these cool opportunities. And sometimes for some reason, I just I, I play it safe. You got to take risks. You got to you got to be you got to be crazy sometimes. Take chances. Yeah, I get that. I get the ick very easily. So like that's how I back out of things like so I, I like that advice. 
like yeah, that. and like like I said, if it doesn't be if it's not fun, and there's there's like a couple moments when I booked it, I'm like I'm just getting nervous. I'm like Chris, stop it. It's just <laughs> radio. It's just goofy people being goofy. Yeah, just no regrets. Just take advantage of your opportunities. I know you're going to be in LA soon. Just go out there and kill it. Go have fun. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? What, I am. I'm actually. I'm flying out tomorrow, and I am uh, hanging out with my aunt and her wife. And then Saturday, we're going to be teaching little special ed kids how to play pickleball, which I'm really excited about. And then in the back of my mind is like, oh yeah, I have shows too. But like, I love it. You know, and, and if you get time, Kristen, look up some folklore. You know that Hol that Hollywood cemetery is cool, and like, oh yeah. Uh, um, yeah, try to make try to make some time to find some spooky things because that's always, especially in LA, there's some cool. Yes, stuff, so. hell yeah! All right, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. That's been Chris Schlichting. I'm Kristen Lady, and this has been Bloody Mary. Have a great night. Mm -hmm.